Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Singer-songwriter and podcaster Tom Cridland, who creates original rock and pop music, joins us to share his story as an artist and how he used Elton John's music to overcome a life-threatening addiction. After his struggle with addiction, he achieved success as he is currently on tour with a Pennsylvania-based soul group called The Stylistics, performing in front of thousands of people in all 50 states of America and all 48 counties of the United Kingdom. Also, Tom hosts a podcast called Greatest Music of All Time with guests that have included Earth, Wind, and Fire, Smokey Robinson, Chance the Rapper, Christina Hendricks, The Temptations, and more. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So Tom, tell me about your childhood and how you gained a passion for singing and songwriting. Well, and I, you know, I'm I'm sure, like me, you um, appreciated music from a very early age. Um, yes, and I was quite a stubborn kid, so I, uh, well, stubborn in the sense that I refused to listen to anything but the Beatles. I probably wasn't that stubborn otherwise, but I was just so obsessed with the Beatles. That's all <laughs> I listened to till I was like eight years old, and I watched all of their documentaries, and I, you know, really just fell in love with their banter and. You know, it was more than the music for me. There was such a glamour and otherworldliness associated with the Beatles. And of course, this is before social media. So every album I'm saving up for with my pocket money, saving up for the next um, installment of the documentary series to find out what, what happened next. When when I learned at the end of the documentary series that the Beatles broke up in 1970, I was you know, really upset about it. So that was that was my first introduction. That got me really hooked by pop music and rock music and then I suppose the other major turning point in my life musically was discovering Elton John's music big time and that happened when I was 18 so it's it's definitely the past that I'm drawn to musically wow so now you're on tour of all 50 states of America as I said before and all 48 counties of the United Kingdom tell us how you rose to have the opportunity to perform in front of thousands on tour well, getting gigs is one of the most important things if you want to be a working musician. I know that sounds yes. so obvious, but so it sounds so obvious, but it's so it seems to be a point that's missed by loads of extremely talented people that I know. So I've played every type of gig. I've played to an old man and his dog in a dive bar, and I've played to a packed out hall um full of thousands of people wow what a Alice. variety <laughs> so and and i i started um playing live gigs um quite late on actually i'm not musically trained i don't know how to read music i've not really had any music lessons or singing lessons but i wanted to replace my alcohol addiction with something so i decided you know i, I just want to do music and get as far in the music world as I can um, with the primary aim, just playing live to whoever will listen to me. So in terms of how I've got the opportunity to play gigs, I've just 
really got out there and made the efforts to try and get myself opportunities. So the first time I came to America, I would play a packed out festival, but also, as I mentioned, you know, to no one in like dive bars or to, to anywhere. And I and I just wrote these places an email. I didn't know what to expect because I hadn't been to half of these places, but I was everywhere from Billings, Montana to Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, to Philadelphia, of course, um, to New York City, Los Angeles, you name it. And I didn't, every place was very different. And then from there, um, you know, just as I was finishing touring uh, doing my first tour where I played all the contiguous states, all 48 contiguous states, um, I had an email from the Stylistics' long-standing manager, Jack Bart, saying he'd kind of caught wind of me on on TV stations and that sort of thing. And, you know, would I like to go on tour with the Stylistics? So then suddenly I was going from playing dive bars to playing huge theatres and halls and those type, type of venues. So it was just for, from doing everything and not getting disheartened. Because obviously, you know, if you put all that effort in uh, to learning your repertoire and, you know, you're playing to a couple of people who are drunk and are kind of sniggering at you, there's every chance that you're going to be like, oh, this music thing isn't for me. But you've really got to just keep keep moving and don't, don't get down. You know, context is everything. You can play exactly the same performance um, in, in a pub and be sniggered at because you've you're, you're playing to a couple of drunk people play exactly the same performance to a thousand people who are there to listen to music you know you you, you might get a standing ovation context is everything so just focus on your performance and and, and keeping mentally strong hmm. so what do you think makes your singing and songwriting stand out in a variety of environments like you mentioned well i i'm not I still am working on it. I'm not sure that I've I've got there yet. I I am proud of some of my records. Uh, I think some of my best records include Girl and I Could Never Leave Her and Falling Off the Rails. And I also, also do think I am a good interpreter of Elton John's music. I don't think there are many people out there who can reinterpret his catalogue and who can perform his catalogue to the standard that I can. And I think that the audiences in America have agreed with me. And that has simply been from putting the time in. And I've had such a lot of time listening to that music that I know it like the back of my hand. And, and so it's perhaps I stand out because who else is doing music like that of my generation? You know, people have moved on to the cooler genres. Hmm. And give us some insight on Elton John's music for those who may not know about it. Elton John's music it is unique in the sense that it takes some of the best American music um, and distills it into this kind of new sound. So he takes blues and R&B and soul. Um, and then he then blended that with his classical education. And he, with his band Bluesology, backed a lot of American soul singers like Paddy LaBelle. So, so all of those disparate genres kind of led to him becoming this popular music icon. You mentioned a little earlier in our conversation, your song called, I Could Never Leave Her. Let's take a listen to that. I could never leave her Can't take her from me I'm head over heels You know that any old fool could see We just listened to I, I Could Never Leave Her by Tom Cridland. So Tom, I listened to a few of your songs and the ones I came across talked about love or a specific woman of interest. <laughs> Is there a reason behind that? Yes, there is. There's a very special 
lady in my life and there has been since I was 18 years old and that's my fiance Deborah uh who is not only you know of course the love of my life but also she's my business partner um she's my confidant she does everything for me I you know I don't know what I'd do without her so of wow. course writing songs I think the best style of music um particularly as I'm no I'm no poet and I'm no writer of of prose and uh, uh, well fictional prose at least so when I write songs I like to write from the heart and so you know obviously a lot of the, those songs are going to be um about Debs so that's that's the lady who I'm mentioning wow that's so cool you uh, mentioned earlier in our conversation that you play most of your songs with a band and I can hear that from your music so what is your experience like with your band and what instrument do you play? So I started off on the drums because I wanted to be like Nigel Olsen. And then I realized that being playing Elton's instrument, the piano, would be easier for songwriting, uh, for understanding chords and, and just, you know, how songs work. And also in terms of the money, um, if you're lugging around a drum kit, you've got to pay for practice rooms when you don't have your drum kit with you. You can't check it in on flights. Um, it's a complete nightmare. So aside from the musical standpoint as well, you can't play a solo gig. So with piano, I can just play me and the piano if I need to, if it's a more intimate venue or, or something like that. So I play piano and sing. Um, and as far as my band goes, I've I've had a few different incarnations of, of my band and some of some of the musicians who I've worked with the longest and um, have become great friends. But I've worked with 40 or 50 different musicians. And aside from anything else, um, it's nice to give musicians work because everybody needs work, especially these wonderful musicians who practice day after day. And there's not enough work to go around because everything's everybody's making records on laptops these days, which can produce some wonderful music. But it's just great to be able to um, do things the old fashioned way and get people into a recording studio and face to face and interacting with each other. Yeah. You talked about everyone needing work, which is so true. Um, yeah. I know during COVID-19, musicians struggled for work. How was your experience with your band during that time, during the pandemic? And how did the pandemic affect your musical career? Well, the pandemic delayed the tour with the stylistics for a start. So I, I, I wasn't sure whether I was going to do the tour with the stylistics. You know, music has to be combined with other stuff for a lot of people, me included. Um, I'm not going to be able, you know, Deborah and I are not going to be able to um, buy buy a house and have kids and and start a family uh, through my income from music. So during COVID, there was a lot of soul searching for me. I, I was still able to give Justin some work because he was mixing and mastering songs that I was working on. But but it was it was a weird one because I was recording podcasts with people from big bands. You know, I I, I spoke to everybody from. Dionne Warwick to Tears for Fears, you know, these big time musicians are used to playing huge venues and there they are in their living rooms, you know, twiddling their thumbs, wondering, you know, when am I going to work again? Uh, so well, it was it was devastating for the music industry. Um, and and it's it's not a question, you know, inequality is is a bad way of describing it because it's just such extreme inequality. You know, the revenue generated from Spotify and Apple Music just goes to that tiny, tiny percentage of people, you know, your Dua Leapers and your Ed Sheerans who get on all the big playlists. Um, and, and, you know, they're obviously incredibly talented, but, you know, it's it's like 0.01% make most of the money 
um, of streaming services. And even they're not paid uh, that much. So, you know, recorded music isn't an in industry anymore. It's live music that really is the only thing um, that that's going to pay your bills. And so COVID completely destroyed everything. So it was great in the end to just, you know, I, I thought even if I'm just doing this for the sake of doing this and living, um, when COVID, uh, when things started to get safer and we went on tour with the with the stylistics, it was great to kind of get people together um, in the band again and, and, and importantly be able to give musicians work again. Um, but I was lucky enough to, to, to be working with Justin and then a couple of other guys um, remotely. But it's not the same, you know, trying to collaborate just over email um you, you lose the soulfulness you mentioned the stylistics so musical group a few times can you tell us a little bit about them the stylistics are very much in the mold of the temptations and the four tops but they're actually they've got their own unique sound and they are very underappreciated i think you know everybody knows the temptations and the four tops and all the great musical groups um and of course everybody knows philadelphia soul but not as much as, as as the Motown sound, um, you know, Philadelphia soul is one of my favorite um, genres of music. It's definitely a genre of music. You know, the difference between Philadelphia soul and other types of soul music from places like Memphis, it's it's a totally different thing. The Philadelphia soul sound has that more kind of mo melodic, even more melodic, uh, like lush uh, and beautiful orchestrations and just the most fantastic music and then of course live the stylistics they're four vocalists who dance um in a kind of old-fashioned choreographed way wearing um tuxedos that match and um and they sing incredible harmonies and their lead their current lead singer um Bo Barrington Henderson is one of the most yeah he's a crazily good singer um and all of them are, are just complete show business professionals they've been in the industry for 50 years on tour so it's it's yeah it was pretty intimidating to be honest on the first day before we did our sound check they were there and it was like whoa yeah they're, they're great people and some of the best some one of my favorite bands really you mentioned a little earlier in our conversation challenges with COVID-19 you know as a musician one of the other challenges that I know that you faced along your journey was uh, with an alcohol addiction can you tell me about how that struggle started for you well, that started with many wonderful memories. You know, when, when you have a when you have an amazing time, you you want to repeat it and repeat it. Well, at least I do because I've got a very addictive mind. You know, as I mentioned, when I was a kid, I liked the Beatles, so I couldn't stop listening to them, and I wouldn't listen to anything else. So you can imagine when I I went to a boarding school, an all boys boarding school. I wanted to meet girls. I wanted to uh, you know go out drinking. I wanted to you know I was a repressed young guy. Uh, from a boarding school when I started my drinking years. And then I had the time of my life at the University of Bristol. I met Deborah. I fell in love. I've met so many wonderful friends. We had such great times together, staying up late drinking. And I, I didn't want the party to stop. But you know, after university, you're with student debt and you need to get a job. And the stress of that, um, which is, is a first world problem. You know, it's not like I, I'm a disadvantaged person in any way. I'm an overprivileged guy. Uh, but like, you know, essentially I needed to find an income. Um, I, I didn't want the party to stop. And as a young man, my drinking and my binge drinking spiraled out of control. Uh, I put on 30 kilos. My finances were in disarray. I started being really rude at events uh, to people, um, waking up on a Sunday morning with a hangover from hell, thinking, you know, what have I said to this nice friend? 
um and and i i had to, i had to stop the drinking uh, essentially you know the, the the wonderful memories started to be obscured by my self-indulgence and it was the best thing that i ever did and i can still stay up till four in the morning with the best of them having a great time but the difference is i know that i've been in control of myself uh and that i'm going to be able to get up in the morning and go to the gym and and be productive um which wasn't the case before and and music has really been the thing that's um replaced drinking and i needed to replace it with something i needed a different hobby i needed a different way to you know <laughs> release some of that restlessness in a previous conversation you shared with me that you nearly drunk yourself to serious injury and death on a number of occasions can you elaborate on that yes well i put myself in grave danger as many alcoholics do drinking yourself you know getting obliterated is is very very dangerous because you're at risk of getting beaten up and you're at risk of dying from the just sheer amount of booze that you've had and then you're also at risk from an accident so i fell down the stairs at a train station slough train station near london um i had wow. gaps all over my face um over my knees my knees had to be stitched up by paramedics i was you know suffering from a concussion when i went back into london and continued drinking at a pub in london once the train from slough got into london uh at, you know covered in blood i was there in the pub you know this is pretty grim stuff um you know at the end of that night I, I was in tears running around green park being chased by my friends um you know essentially having a nervous breakdown and and that type of thing happened all the time you know I'm not I'm not saying like every night but like every few weeks there'd be a new disaster you know like an example of a day-to-day -day occurrence might be Debs and I going to a party Debs wanting to go home at midnight Debs going home being worried about me all night um me arriving back in an uber at 4 a.m asleep in the uber outside her house um and eventually deb's realizing oh that's me in the uber outside having to come down sometimes it'd be a taxi driver and i'd like spent all my money and they would be saying you know i'm taking him to the police station because he's too drunk to understand that he needs to pay me these would be like the small things in terms of nearly dying you know just the sheer amount of alcohol on one, one occasion um but i, I was you know i drank 20 uh, cans of beer in one afternoon um so wow. you can imagine from that you know it's beyond the point of you can't eat you can't you can barely drink water on the hangover um but but you know the closest the closest times that um i i was to um killing myself from booze were from the accidents you know cutting my face open on stuff being beaten up um that that was really you know heading in the wrong direction hmm. so you mentioned that elton john's music helped you to overcome your addiction i know previously elton john struggled with a drug and alcohol addiction so what was it about elton john's music that helped you to come out of that place having elton john's music to kind of turn to has, has kept me sober and has effectively saved my life and it's not only the fact that you know I never get bored of his music I love playing his music I love learning to play it but it's also him as a sober man who still lives a larger than life you know existence that is a big inspiration because one of the things that a lot of people get worried about irrationally when they want to become sober is that they're no longer going to be fun 
and interesting mm-hmm. and people are going to think they're boring and their friends will no longer want to hang out with them. But Elton kind of proves that you can certainly be a very colourful character and a very unique, fun character without boozing. So where are you today in your recovery journey? Well, I've been sober for five years. I stopped drinking on October the 13th, 2017. So uh, I think at this point, it's fair to say that I'm unlikely to ever drink again. Mm. I'm so happy to hear that. So what's next for you, Tom? Uh, Now that we're in a new year, what do you hope this new year brings for you? Well, I'm personally speaking, I'm going to be getting married in October. So the whole year is is gearing up to that. And then professionally speaking, um, I'm releasing my book, which is called Million Dollar Addict. So that's going to be my focus for this year. And if someone is interested in seeing you on tour or learning about your music, how can they do so? Uh, They can head to TomCridland.com and everything that I'm doing is on that website. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today, Tom. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you so much. We've been speaking with Tom Cridland, singer, songwriter, and podcaster, who's on tour with the Pennsylvania-based soul musical group, The Stylistics. Be sure to tune into The Spark on Tuesday when we discuss the Are All Politics Nationalized book and how to make good on your New Year's resolutions this year. Learn more about today's topics at witf.org slash the spark, or make your suggestions for topics to the spark at witf.org. I'm Anaya Falcon. Have yourself a great day. Okay.